Hey everyone, welcome to the Intelligent Conversations podcast where we believe everyone has a form of intelligence that resides within them. Our goal is to encourage these types of conversations for our audience to listen to. Without further ado, welcome to the show. Hey everyone, this is your host Josh Baker with the Intelligent Conversations. Welcome back to the show. Today I have the honor to speak with Emily Sander. She is a business coach, author, and currently is a chief of staff in a big company. I didn't quite catch the name of the company. I'm sure she can talk about that. She has spent 15 years in the business world. She's learned that helping others reach the next level is a passion of hers. She wrote uh, Hacking Executive Leadership and trains people to this day about how to be leaders. So Emily, thank you for coming on, but I want to dive right into this. What was your experience in becoming a coach? I want to kind of, I know you started that a couple of years ago, like coaching other people, but could you shed some light on how you got into that? Sure, absolutely. So first of all, Josh, thanks very much for having me on your show. It's a pleasure to be here. And yes, I was leading teams, uh, managing different departments, and through a series of companies and roles. And as I got finished with those and looked back at a role, once it was all done, the thing that kept popping up as my favorite and the most rewarding was helping people. So individuals either on my team get to a literal next level of their career with a promotion, or if it was helping a colleague with their presentation and maybe their confidence going into board meetings and things like this that's what really stood out to me. It wasn't the client escalation that seemed like a big deal at the time. It wasn't, oh my goodness, we didn't meet Q2 numbers that one quarter. It was the relationships and interactions I had with people that either set their career on a very different path in a positive way or helped them kind of gain the mental skills and tools and and frameworks that they needed to, um, to build their career and build their life. So once I put that together with coaching, I said, oh my gosh, I was actually a coach before I knew what a coach was. And I thought how fantastic to have this as a career and a profession and a calling and a craft. And so I, I got certified um, with, my, with my coaching and am now serving as chief of staff, as you mentioned, and also as an executive coach through my, through my coaching practice. That's cool. I, I actually, a couple episodes back had an executive coach on uh, his name was I don't know if you know him if you know all the other executive coaches out there but uh, his name was Dr. Jeff Williamson he was a phenomenal guy he had great things to say but uh, I so so now I know what an executive coach does I, I was kind of learning about it then but you mentioned confidence and like helping other people build confidence like to go into those board meetings and all of that could you like walk me through that like how would that work? Like, how do you help others build confidence to go into that boardroom? Sure. It depends where they're coming from. It depends what they're, what they're, where they're starting from. And it also depends on if you have someone doing it for the first time, is it the skills and knowledge? So literally I just, I haven't done this before. So Emily walked me through the mechanics of it and how these normally go um, and how to do a presentation. If it's no, I've been in quite a few but I still get nervous and I still kind of uh, stutter when I speak and can't quite get my thoughts together. It might be going in um, and say, okay, what 
belief sets, and we can talk about this if you want, what, what belief sets are you carrying that lead you to get nervous? And one of the common ones is focusing on yourself, which is very natural. We all do that, you know, just by default. <laughs> and it's, it's all about me and everyone is looking at me and everyone is paying attention to every little thing I do. And they're noticing when I, you know, a word catches in my throat or I don't say something like I wanted to. And from your perspective, things are going horribly wrong. From an audience's perspective, they don't know. They think you're doing just fine. They think you're doing great. And so a lot of times there's a pretty big gap. There's a lot of daylight in between your internal experience of what's happening and someone's external observation of what's going on. So that's the first thing we talk about. Happy to go into more, but that's a, that's a pretty common one. Yeah, that, that's something I actually notice all the time. I mean, I've done this like not that long. I've, I, this is like the 26th episode that we're doing right now. So I've, I'm still struggling. I'm still learning. I'm, I'm a year removed from high school. So I'm like, man, I've got a lot to learn first off. And two, it's like, I realized how valuable communication is because I can have great ideas. I can have great business proposals, all these things. But I'm like, if I can't communicate it effectively or like walk in with the confidence to say, hey, this is what I need and this is what I need like done. Most of the time, like communication is just huge there. Uh, and it's funny because I, I was talking with one of my friends and one of them talked about like, oh yeah, uh, I just kind of just assumed because I have a window cleaning business. Let me take a step back here. But what I do with that is I go and clean windows, pretty basic, right? And I finally had one of my friends come out and work with me and it was great. And I, I, I learned in that instant, like, I just have to just be confident when I'm saying, even if it's wrong, I have to own up for that, to that mistake. But if it's wrong, own up to the mistake. But most of the time, they're just going to be like, oh yeah, that's, that's right. I love what you're saying. Let's go that direction. So that's something that I've realized and I've been working on my life. I'm like, I need to just go in with confidence. Even if it's like, you have no idea what you're talking about, or even <laughs> if it's just like, man, I, I don't understand anything. It's, you got to go in with confidence. So that's been huge for me, but how I, I still get nervous all the time. How, how would you like calm the nerves of like someone? How would you like, what would be your first like go-to thing to help calm the nerves of another person? One of the things you can think about is a lot of people go in with a performance mindset. So I am going on this podcast and I have to perform. I'm going into this board meeting or team meeting. I have to perform in this presentation and instead switch over into a communication mindset. So I am sharing information the other person doesn't have. Or in your case, you're asking intelligent questions and thought-provoking questions that no one but you can think of because you're Josh and no one else can do that better than you. And so take a little bit of the pressure off of yourself instead of, okay, I'm here, I'm the spotlight's on me. It's no, I have valuable information to share and it's my job to do the best job I can to share that with the audience. And just that awareness and just that mindset shift can help you like, oh yeah, okay, I can, I can do that a bit better. Yeah, I, again, I think communication is just so key. And I, I kind of want to hurry and just, rapid fire question here at you. Uh, so a lot of kids, I, I see two types of kids in college, and I, I don't actually go to college, believe it or not, I just said, screw it, I'm going to go straight in and just <laughs> test my luck. And if I fail, then I'll 
take the money I made and go to college, whatever. But I, I, I talk with them because I want to have a social life. I want to actually, you know, you need people to build a business. So I, I find myself talking with a lot of people that in that age group. And I'm like, there's, there's two types of people. I found there's the ones that are just brilliant. They're like so smart. They know a lot of things, but they can't communicate. And then you have the other kids. They're, they're, they're smart. I think they're really smart and they, but they're not as smart as like the brilliant kids, but they're really good at communicating with people. And they're taking these like communications classes in like college. And I'm like, like, how's that going? Like, tell me about it. Like, I want to learn more. And they, they tell me about it. And I'm like, man, that's, that actually seems pretty valuable. I mean, I personally wouldn't get a degree in that, but I think everyone should at least like have some background in it, something like that. And they were telling me about it. And this is, this is kind of what I want to ask you. What would you give, like, what advice would you give to a college student? Like, let's say they just graduated college or they're in college trying to get like an internship or an apprenticeship. What advice would you give to them to get, like, be the top candidate to be able to communicate effectively to their employer? Sure. It depends on where you're coming in, but some key things would be when you're looking for a job, especially out of college, be open to gaining new experiences. So it, unless you have a specific, a very specific career path in mind, like I want to be an accountant. Well, there's very clear finance courses and certifications you, you need to take. A lot of people coming out, out of college, myself being one of them, I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do when I grew up. And so I just kind of looked at the different jobs and looked at all the uh, job descriptions and what I would be doing and made the best decision I could from there. But keep in mind, you wanna gain valuable experiences. So if it's in the general direction of where you wanna go um, career-wise, if you're into finance, maybe try something in finance. If you're into um, you know, service or entertainment, go into those industries, general direction, but be open to um, gaining valuable skills working with great people, making sure the company's values are aligned with yours. Those, those types of things are the big ones you're looking for. And then um, to go into the interview, I would just, I would do the basics for sure. So do a little research on the company and the person you're going to be speaking with going into it. You can go on their website. You can go on LinkedIn on their about page. They usually have a short paragraph about what they do. I'd read up on that. If you can find the person you're speaking with and then I would run through the job description and pull out, okay, here are the top three things it seems like they're looking for. Let me make sure I have some good stories or descriptions or ways to convey how I can do that best. And a little prep goes a long way. So you don't need to write this out word for word or verbatim, but just have some general bullet points or talk tracks when you get into that interview. Yeah, uh, thank you for that. I think a lot of kids could actually use that and it'll help them out. But speaking of, uh, you, you mentioned how you got out of college, you didn't really know what to do. I noticed when I was like reading up on you and saw your profile that you helped with the Kindle. I, I, I don't know, but you helped develop the Kindle. Am I correct there? <laughs> I wouldn't say develop. I was a tester for the very first version of the Kindle. Yes. So um, I was part of the QA team testing it and trying to break it, basically, um, trying to trying to break it. But that was a lot of fun. Um, I did work for Amazon, and I remember it was confidential at the time, so I could not tell 
my parents or my friends what I was working on. They knew I worked for Amazon, but that's about it. And we launched that right before Christmas in 2007. And so then everyone knew what it was and I got to tell people. But yes, that was a lot of fun. What, what do you mean by break? Like you guys like tried to actually break the Kindle? Not, physic- not physically, but we tried to like okay. you know, go forward on pages, go back, highlight this, like try to push the buttons and make it and make it error out and things like that. And we would mark, okay, this book's text appeared correctly. This had images, this graph looked janky. And we would go through and just say, okay, what's the quality of, of the user experience there? So yes, that was before uh, anyone knew what an e-reader was and now it's, it's pretty commonplace, so. That, that's so cool. I, I mean, I love doing like this show because I meet just so many interesting people. And I mean, that's just so cool because that's in my lifetime. And it's weird to think because I'm like, I was probably like, I don't know, like seven or eight at the time. Like I was like, oh, cool, a Kindle, right? Or the iPhone came out during my lifetime. I feel like that's always been around. But <laughs> I, it, it's just crazy to me to uh, think that that's like, the reality of where we are today it's like man it's been around for only like 10 15 years but I, I, for me it felt like it's been like oh this is just normal <laughs> but i kind of want to get some thoughts on here because i just kind of got a thought here instant gratification i think that's something i mean along the lines of technology and all that a lot of i mean i would say the younger you get the less patience you have and i don't know maybe this isn't something you can answer but how would you help like, because I, I think personally speaking, patience is one of the most valuable things a leader can actually have, because you have to be willing to sit there, you have to listen to the, their side of the story and really understand what they're trying to like communicate to you. So how would you help? I'm going to be careful here. How would you help the younger generation develop patience? <laughs> Ooh, million dollar question. If you can solve that, Josh, you got you got millions of dollars coming to you. I would say you're right though. Um, There are times when leaders need to be very patient. They need to not have an emotional knee-jerk reaction because it makes it worse. And they need to be that calming, steady influence on the person they're speaking with or the group that they're leading. And so, you know, we are on our phones all day. We are on social media and that is very instant gratification. Kind of see what comes up on your feed. And it's it's a lot like a, a, gambling machine, one of those slot machines in Vegas, where you're like, what's on my feet today? And it's very, uh, it's very gratifying when you get something juicy. So I think when you go into the business world, and depending on what industry you're in, you, you probably want to put a different hat on and say, okay, I'm, I'm being a leader of myself in, in this role, or perhaps a team. And if you progress in your career and become a leader who is managing other people, managers, it's two levels deep. So you even have to have that perspective, but I would I would tell young people or young adults today um, to think about the power of compounding. And so may, most people hear about this in terms of finance, right? So yeah, contribute to your 401k and watch it compound over time. Which if you do a calculator, just go look at the power of saving, you know, two hundred dollars or five hundred dollars a month when you're twenty, and see how much you'll have. By the time you're going to retire, you're going to be a millionaire. So go look, go look that up to understand the power of compounding, and then take that principle and put it into developing your skill set and developing your communication and being a better communicator, presenter, um, how to interact with different people. That will compound over time as well, and that will serve you just as well, if not more. So I would really encourage 
people to, if, if you're not the best presenter or you want to be good at any skill, go practice it. I mean, Josh, you just said, hey, this is my 26th podcast episode. I got to get out here every, you know, every time I do this and, and stretch myself. That is going to pay you dividends going forward. So you're investing in yourself and you're investing in others. So I would encourage uh, young adults to, to take the same path. That, that's some great advice. I think a lot of people should take that to heart, one. But it, it reminds me of a quote from Albert Einstein, right? This genius, right? He says that compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. I'm like, mm-hmm. I think it's a lot deeper than we think. Like a lot of people think about, like you said, in the finance. I'm like, no, 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 no. I think if we think about it on any aspect of life, like you said, communicating, like developing those skills and just developing any skill, compound interest is the eight, literally the eighth wonder of the world. And I think it's funny that we still, I don't think really have comprehended how brilliant he was because he just said that. And most people don't know he, I mean, everyone knows, sorry about that, but everyone knows he was a just a genius that he worked on the nuclear bomb. He worked on all that. Right. And I'm like, he by no means was this financial, like, genius i mean he understood money he made money right but for him to say that that's that's something where it's like he knew something that we didn't so i i like that you brought up compounding interest and i kind of want to dive into a little bit of what your book's about hacking executive leadership what i mean i think you already talked about a little bit of the process of that and the belief system but could you you know dive into that a little more and give some more details on that Absolutely. We can go over some frameworks from the book. One to tag on to what you just said is the failure loop. And so in the book, there's a, there's a graph, but I'll explain it briefly. It's a series of loops. So like circle, circular loops um, in a chain. So the, the series of loops is going up and to the right. And that's kind of progress in the, in the direction you want to go. However, in the individual loops, there is a point where it goes back down into the left. So you're going the opposite direction. And this framework is about understanding failure in a new way. And it's about understanding and processing failure in a more effective way. And so when you have a quote unquote failure event, you're going back down to the left, you're at the bottom of an individual loop. If you sit there and stop and go, oh, I'm, I'm a failure, I failed, this is embarrassing, um, I feel guilty, I'm ashamed, and then stop, then, then that's one way to go. If instead, you say, okay, this just happened. It didn't go the way I wanted it to. It feels like crap, but I'm going to take the learning and take the lesson out of that experience and apply it going forward. You've just propelled yourself up to the next loop. And so you've made progress. So you can literally change failure in the traditional sense into progress and making making you better and better. So as, as people kind of go out into the world and they're gonna have their stops and starts and they're gonna kind of fall down and stumble and get back up. I think having that framework of the failure loop and, and transforming failure into a learning and into progress is an important one, especially for young people, but for people you know, in any, in any stage of life, I think that's a good uh, framework to keep in mind. Yeah, I think, I think that's ultimately what we all want. We want to progress just in our personal lives, in our career, physical, like every aspect of our life, we want to be better than we were yesterday. That's something that I love to live by. I'm like, honestly, 
sure today sucked but tomorrow it's going to be better and then i just i just have that belief in me that like hey tomorrow will be better like and as long as i'm working towards something bigger than what i am right now then eventually i will get there because and then this is something that i mean it just came to me again but this is something that i recently like encountered i'm like I, i i keep going i keep like working and like working my tail end off to like make this work to make my other business work and you know I finally got talking with my mother one day I'm like man like I just feel like I can't accomplish anything like every time I get something then I fail and I was just like man this sucks type of thing and it's like well you have to take a step back almost and reflect and say all right where were you a year ago and I was like well, a year ago, I was in high school, had no clue what I wanted to do with my life. And, and she's like, well, there you go. Look where you are now. I'm like, no, that is pretty cool. I have actually have come a long way from a year. And she's like, yeah, you have to take a step back. You have to reflect and say, hey, I've actually done quite a bit. And you also can look at your past failures and say, I got through that. Why can't I get through this? And I think that's something I have realized. And I think it kind of gives me advantage as well. Cause I'm like, every time I encounter a failure, I'm like, Oh, no worries. This, this will work out. Like, <laughs> and I mean, I know I'm just getting the tip of the iceberg, but I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on what is the power of reflection in your life? Like what does reflection mean to you and how do you, like, what does it mean to you? I guess is what I'm saying. Sure. Well, you gave a great example there and your mom sounds like a very, a very smart person. So good on her is when you're down on yourself and we all get that way. Sometimes reflecting back, zooming out, like take a breath, take a pause, zoom out and say, let me look at the past week, month, year, and make a note of all the things that I've done well and all the things that I've accomplished. Because sometimes we get, you know, tunnel vision and what's right in front of us and we forget like, oh yeah, actually I had a goal last year and I've accomplished it. Or, oh, you know what? I've come a long way with my patience or communication. I'm not where I want to be, but I have come a long way. I've made progress. And I think that's important to celebrate the small wins. Um, And then I think it's also important to reflect on, you know, for me, I I was and am a worrier. So I, I worry about a lot of things. And I've gotten a lot better at it. And one of the things that I reflect on is, hey, Emily, am I worrying about the same things as I was five years ago or even one year ago? And the answer is no, I've actually gotten better. So it's like, okay, that's a really good marker of success. And if you you take that and say, hey, I'm making progress, it's just a good kind of checkpoint for yourself. Um, So reflection is, is hugely important. And I would also, a lot of people, are self-critical. And so they they pick out all of the negative things and their inner critic goes crazy in their in their head. Um, but we rarely stop and think, what have I done well? What am I good at? What have I contributed? How have I helped my friends? How have I helped my family? Um, and and they need to really take some time and, and focus on that. Yeah, something I like to live by is own your success and own your failures. Like I think it's really easy to own up to your failures. It's like, oh yeah, I'm so bad at this or, oh, I can't I'm like, but also I, I, I do that. I'm like, oh, I suck at this or I can't like, I'm not that good at this, but I also say, no, I am good at this. Like I can do this. Like I, again, I think it's that confidence. Like you, 
you have to be confident in yourself. You have to say, Hey, like, I'm actually good at this. Let's help other people. Like, let's use my, like, I'm good at this and help someone else out. Who's maybe not so great at it. And loved what you said there, but uh, you mentioned tunnel vision. And I, I, before I say my thoughts on this, I want to hear yours, but is there a difference between tunnel vision and focus? Ooh, that's a great question. I think they overlap. I think they are kind of two sides of the same point. I've never had that question before. Yeah. So tunnel vision and the way I used it right before is when, you know, I said I have days where I have back-to-back meetings, literally on my calendar is stacked for like 10 hours a day. And so I'm literally going from meeting to meeting to meeting and switching, switching, switching. And I don't know what day of the week it is. I don't know my own name. I don't know anything. I just go to these meetings. And so I'm in tunnel vision. But to your point on, on the weekends when I'm working on, you know, my coaching business or maybe um, guide or a training curriculum for that, I also get very focused. And I also couldn't tell you what day it was. I lose track of time because um, I'm so happy doing the, doing the project. And the same effect happens, but it's very, uh, it's very different. So that's a really interesting question. I think that there, there's like an overlap, sort of a Venn diagram where the same things are happening, but it's for a little bit um, different cause. It reminds me of, you've probably heard of being in the flow or being in your flow yeah. state where you're just like humming along. You don't know what day or time it is because you're so invested and so excited and so enthusiastic about what you're doing. So to me, focus um, and flow is kind of to that track. And then tunnel vision is kind of the scatterbrained. I'm just kind of picking off what's right in front of me. I, I really like what you said there. I, I think I, I love asking sometimes I, every time tunnel vision is brought up, I always, my mind goes to focus. So I, I do agree. I think that does have an overlap. And I think the thing that separates it, this is what I think the difference is, is the thing I think it separates the difference between tunnel vision and focus is actual like productivity, like the actual, like tunnel vision, you'll, you'll kind of go down like that rabbit hole and you'll get like kind of these small, like minuscule, like details that are just like, really like, eh. like, did you need to do that? Whereas focus is like, no, you accomplished a lot today. And like, no, you didn't, you've never done that before type of thing. And I think that that's what the difference for me is between tunnel vision and focus. But kind of as we're beginning to wrap up here, I, I, I want to hit you with I'm starting something new. I last episode, I really liked what he brought up. He's like, we should have an intelligent question of the day. And I'm going to do that. So for the listeners here, I have for you the intelligent question of the day. And Emily's going to answer that for us. So it is, what is the best quality a leader can have? Adaptability. Adaptability is pretty, um, pretty all encompassing. So you need to adapt to the markets i.e. the global pandemic we just had as a leader. A lot of my clients as CEOs or business leaders had to adapt really quickly to something they never would have been able to predict. Um, There's much smaller things too, just normal market fluctuations and different regulations or guidance in the industry. And then you're also adapting to um, different people you're interacting with. So we talked about communication before. So you actually, as a leader, as as a good leader, would flex and adapt to the person you're speaking with. And that doesn't mean being not yourself or putting on a show. It's, oh, how would this person best receive this information? How can I make this interaction and communication the best? So they'll, they'll adapt to that. Um, I heard 
I heard, I was listening to a podcast and they were interviewing Floyd Mayweather, who's a boxer, uh, a very good boxer. I don't know yeah. anything about boxing, but he's <laughs> a, the champion. Oh yeah, he's and, great. Um, and they were trying to get him to say like, hey, why are you like so good? What makes you the best? You know, what makes you the champ? And um, they were trying to get him to say his footwork or his training or something physical. And he finally said, it's my adaptability. It's my ability to adapt to every different, every fight, because every fight is different, every opponent and every round and even every punch. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's gold. So adaptability um, for leaders and for boxing champions is, is a great trait to have. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Everyone that is right there, your intelligent answer of the day. So adaptability, I, I, I'm going to touch on that a bit. I think, honestly, that's, it's critical. Like, I think, I mean, COVID definitely, I think, exposed who were more willing to adapt and who wasn't. And now we're starting to see like the results of who's paying for it and who's like getting the rewards from adapting. And I think, I, I mean, I didn't know Floyd Mather, I haven't seen that interview, but thank you for bringing that up. I mean, I, I, I like to follow him a little bit. I used to box in my spare time, nothing serious, but just I, I boxed here and there. And uh, so thank you for sharing that. That I think adaptability is definitely a key quality a leader can have to help in business, their relationships, honestly, any aspect of their life. So again, I, we're wrapping up here. Is there any way that you would like people to reach out to you if they would like to get, you know, training from you or if by chance they want to, you know, pick up their book? I'm, I already mentioned that the hacking executive leadership, where could they find that book? Where can they reach out to you? What's the best way they can do that? The book is available on Amazon and it's also got an audible version if people are doing different things and driving around. And the best place to get in touch with me is my website, which is nextlevel.coach. So nextlevel, all one word, .coach. You can drop me a line there um, and or sign up for my newsletter and get helpful um, and fun information there. But nextlevel.coach and hacking executive leadership on Amazon. All right, sweet. So everyone, there's her information there if you'd like to reach out to her. And thank you so much, Emily, for coming on. I really enjoyed what you had to say. And yeah, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. And Josh, just a word of encouragement. I'm really inspired and impressed by what you're doing. And you've branched out um, to do your own thing. And it sounds like you're doing it the right way and the smart way. But uh, you've got a podcast, you know, asking intelligent questions. And um, I'm just uh, just want to give kudos to you for all that you're doing. Thank you. That 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 means a lot. So everyone, as you can tell, that is Emily Sander, and she has intelligent things to say. I would take some of her advice there to heart, especially that adaptability part. I think that is really great advice there. And tune into next week's episode. We have a great guest lined up for that week as well. And see you guys next week. Let's get after it. Hey everyone, if you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and there should be a form there for you guys to fill out. Thank you guys again and let's get after it.